Hello and welcome to the first episode of Full Court Chat with Dave Schilling. I am Dave Schilling, the host of this program. I'm just so excited to be here, folks. I'm sure if you've been following me on Twitter, you've been following my career at places like ESPN, Bleacher Report, The Ringer, etc., etc., you know that my dream has always been to have my own podcast. And I've had my own podcast multiple times, and all of them have been... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, canceled. All of them have been canceled. And the wonderful thing about this show, folks, is they can't cancel me this time because I'm recording this on my own, by myself, in my home. There is no one who can stop me from recording this podcast. And that is a freeing thing. That's a wonderful thing. To be free. To live unencumbered without someone hassling you, someone threatening you, someone trying to take your livelihood away. Our guest today is someone who can relate to these feelings of wanting freedom, needing to be free, to live unencumbered. And that is, ladies and gentlemen, Steve Bartman, the scapegoat of the 2003 National League Championship Series himself, the man who changed baseball history forever by catching one foul ball. Steve Bartman cannot and has not lived free for years because of what happened to him, because of the reaction to what he did. The Chicago Cubs won the World Series in 2016, and Steve Bartman still, to this day, is considered a pariah in Chicago. But finally, Mr. Bartman has chosen to speak out and to give his side of the story and to tell the world what it was like to go through those moments, what it was like to be harassed and intimidated, to have to go into hiding, to have a, an ESPN 30 for 30 documentary made about you. This is a life-changing conversation that we have, and I'm thrilled to share it with you. Alright, our guest this week, I am incredibly excited about this. This is a huge get. Uh, Liz, thank you so much for making this happen. Ladies and gentlemen, Steve Bartman is here on the show today. Steve, how are you How are you doing in quarantine? I guess you're probably pretty used to not leaving your house. Uh, yeah, so the quarantine's not really affecting me that much. I just kind of do what I do anyway. I stay in the house. I look outside. I wear my hat. I have my headphones in. I, you know, go to the store if I need anything. And that's about it. Uh, everybody else seems to be going pretty crazy, but not me. So that's their business. Well, I mean, since I have you here, and this is like the first major media interview that you've ever done since mm -hmm. the incident on October 14th, 2003, I want to go back and just 
get your perspective on it because we've never really heard in detail your perspective on the event that changed your life forever. So yeah. take us back to Wrigley Field, Chicago, the National League Championship Series. It's game six. The Cubs are up three to nothing. They've got a 3-2 lead in the series. If they win, they go to the World Series for the first time in, in many, many years, since 1945. Yeah. That was their last National League pennant. So what was going through your mind before the pitch and immediately after the incident with Moises Alou? Well, right bef- uh, well, first of all, it's not you got to go back, not before the pitch, but just before the game. I was walking around Chicago. I was listening to music. I was enjoying myself. And I found myself getting pretty hungry. And I, when I get hungry, I like to eat food. I like to snack. And I felt like having popcorn. And I was walking past Wrigley Field and I saw the lights and all the people. And I said, hey, what's going on? I said, hey, to a guy. And the guy said, it's a baseball game. It's the, it's the Cubs. They're playing the Marlins uh, for, for the, the major, for the, the World Series. And I said, okay, wow, do you think they got popcorn in there? And he said, yeah, yeah, of course. They got popcorn, they got soda, they got hot dogs, everything. And I said, oh, do you think there's any more tickets? And he said, I don't know, you could try. So I went to the box office and there was, wouldn't you believe it, there was one more ticket left and I bought it and it was to my surprise, very good seats and seat. It was a really good seat. It was all the way along the third baseline and I sat there. I, I loved it. I got my popcorn. I was eating, I was enjoying the game just like everyone else. And I, like I said, I had my music in my ears. I was just enjoying just the the crowd and the air and the game and it was the eighth inning and i remember thinking oh boy you know i'm in such a good position to get a foul ball if they hit a foul ball i am ready to catch it because i have always loved baseball i have always loved foul balls and i am always ready for anything that life throws my way And let me tell you, I wasn't ready for what life threw my way that night. So leading up to the pitch, I was just sitting there going, hmm, hmm. And then all of a sudden, everybody's standing up and I look up and I see the ball. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, the ball is coming right to me. So I lift up my hands to catch the ball and... I catch it perfectly, and it, I feel so good, and I'm thinking, everybody's going to think I'm a hero. Everybody's going to love me. Everybody's going to be like, hey, there's the guy who caught the foul ball. But that's not what happened because I sit back down, and immediately the guy next to me starts saying something. I can't hear him. I take out my headphones, and he says, nice going, shit face. And I was like, maybe this guy's a a Marlins fan because they were playing the Marlins. And then I'm looking on the big screen, the Jumbo TV, the Jumbotron, and and they keep showing me catching the ball when I noticed something that made my heart drop 
into my stomach, my popcorn-filled stomach. I had blocked the guy, the Cubs guy, from Moises, is his name, from catching the ball. And everybody was mad at me suddenly, and I didn't know what to do. So I'm sitting there just trying to play it off, and I'm just looking at the ball, and before I know it, security comes to me, and they say, hey, you got to leave or you're going to die. And I said, what? And they said, these people want to kill you. You ruined the game. You need to leave. So they escorted me out, and I felt really bad. I wanted to cry, but I knew everybody was watching me. But if I cried, then everybody would be calling me Steve Bartman, a crybaby or something. So I didn't want to risk it. And I just tried to act cool like it wasn't my fault because I don't think it was my fault. If Moises wanted to catch the ball, he would have caught the ball, but he didn't. I caught the ball. I should have been the hero for catching a foul ball without a glove, but that's not the way the people of Chicago saw it. Well, I mean, I I, I don't know. I, he Moises Alou uh, in 2008 said he wouldn't have caught it anyway and it had nothing to do with you. Uh, I, maybe maybe what you did wasn't so bad. I feel like you've been very hard on yourself for, for decades now. That's uh, what I've been trying to talk about. Nobody seems to want to remember when Moises, who is my friend now, we're very good friends, when he said, I wouldn't have caught the ball anyway. But by then, you see, the damage was done. And I, there was nothing I could do but just suffer and and uh, they after my family they wanted me to die and uh, steve can i can i blow your mind did you belch yeah i'm sorry i'm drinking tea that makes you gassy everything makes me gassy were, did you were you burping like this at the game is that part of oh, what yeah, people yeah. Well, like pop, you? you see popcorn is mostly air and when I eat, I also inhale a lot of air and it makes it so that my tummy gets very full of air. And then the one of the ways that I let it out is I burp. And it's, uh, I, I, I haven't seen a doctor or anything, but I call it a medical issue. It's a medical issue because my body is medical related and it's an issue related to my body. Therefore, it's a medical issue. Well, I, I really, I am sorry, and I hope you're staying safe uh, during the quarantine. Oh, if you yeah. have, a, if you have a gas issue, that could be a contributing factor. So please don't go anywhere. But I just want to blow your mind a little bit here. I know I did say in 2008, Moises Alou said he didn't think he was going to catch it. Well, he went back on that statement. Your good friend Moises Alou in 2011 in the ESPN 30 for 30, which was called Catching Hell, which is a little pun. Yeah, I think it's pretty cute. Uh, he said, I am convinced 100% that I had that ball in my glove. So he can't even keep his story straight, Steve. Well, now I don't know what to think. Right. I, I think I think maybe we got Moises Alou as a liar here. I think we've caught him in a lie. Yeah, well, we caught him like he like I caught the ball, apparently. <laughs> that He was a... Wow, this makes me very upset because he's in regular contact with me and I like to think of him as my friend, but maybe, you know, you know, maybe he just said that because he doesn't want to be 
he doesn't want to be like Bill Buckner and he just think it, thinks it's okay to take the blame off himself and put it on me, Steve Bartman, because everybody already blame, blames me. So what's another going on the record and saying that it's Steve Bartman's fault because the damage is already done. It's not like anybody's going to go come back and try to kill me again, even though people are always trying to yell at me when I walk down the street and they do, they don't try, they do. It's, you know, but I'm used to it. So two questions for you, Steve. Number one, are you seriously in contact with Moises Alou on a regular basis? And two, how do people know that you are Steve Bartman? You're not exactly um, Brad Pitt, man. I how know. do people recognize you? I know. Well, your first, to answer your first question, it was quite, 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 quite magical, actually. I, one day, in about 2003, about a year after the big game, I got a phone call. And... This person on the phone call said, hey, it's me, Moises, and he sounded like my dad. And I remember thinking, gosh, this sounds like my dad. But he said, no, it's me, it's Moises. And we talked and talked and talked and talked. And then he said, well, this is my new, this is my phone number. So if you ever want to talk about the game or about baseball, then you can call me. And I said, what about if I can text you? And he said, yeah, you can do that too. So since then, we've just been super friends. We talk once or twice a week and we text. And uh, yeah, it's really something. And to answer your second question, how do people know it's me? Well, I was on the cover of every newspaper and magazine here in Chicago for the longest time and on TV and people just know my face. And so I just kind of say, okay, that might as well be my life now. I, at least I'm known for something. I always wanted to be in a history book. It might as well be for being at a baseball game so people see me and some people are nice some people have empathy and they give me a hug and that's nice so i take the good with the bad and that's what i've always thought so yeah well let's talk about let's talk about your personal life a little bit steve you know we only know about you as the the person who ruined the Cubs' chances to go to the World Series in 2003. What we don't know is who is the man behind the horrible miscue during the most important game in Chicago Cubs history to that point. Who, well, is, who is Steve Bartman? Well, my full name is Steve Bartman. Uh, I have no middle name. Uh, a lot of people think my name is Steven. It's not. It's Steve. Steve Bartman. Uh, let's see. I am I'm from Chicago. I was born and raised in the outer loop. I like baseball. I like my family. I like, like I said, I like to eat. Uh <coughs> 
Steve, are you sick? No. Have you been tested? No, but I've been inside, like I said. But look, there's not too much to know about Steve Bartman, except I did what anyone would do in that situation, which is I reached out my hand and I caught the ball. And since then, everybody's been wanting to know and offering me money to tell them what were you doing. And I can't, I can't tell you how frustrating it is to go everywhere. You know how people ask you, how are you? And you say, I'm good. Well, imagine that times one million and everybody's asking a more complicated question. So I didn't want any money because I'm independently wealthy. I got to, people tried to offer me $100,000 for interview. I didn't want to do it. Another guy offered me $20,000 for my hat. And I said, no, that's my hat. And I just, I am very private. That's why I like, but at the same time, yeah, I know, I know. I said that people know me, but there's not a whole lot I could do about that. I can just take the good with the bad. But my private life is very private, except for what I told you, which is I'm independently wealthy. I like to eat. I like my family. And I like to wear my headphones. And I like baseball. And I would, if you, if you could put me back in that game, you know what I would do? I would catch the ball again. And this time I would stay there in my seat because this is where America is in that seat where you can do what you came there to do, which is catch the ball when the ball comes to you. And that's what I did. And I would do it again. And I would sit there with my smile on my face and my popcorn in my hand and my baseball in the other hand. And I would say no when they say, Steve, it's time to leave. Because I would say I paid $6,000 for this ticket to sit here and eat my popcorn and watch the game. And that's what I came here to do. And I'm going to finish. It's the eighth inning. I'm going to see the rest of the game. Okay? And if anybody wants to blame me, they can blame me. But I know in my heart that I did the right thing. I, I understand your, your desire to want to stay in your seat. They didn't even the- offer me a refund. Well, did you go to Game Seven? No, of course not. Yeah, yeah, it's probably for the best, right? They got they got their 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 asses kicked in the game in Game Seven. Yeah, and guess who got uh, the blame? Me. I got the blame, Steve Bartman, because apparently you're, you're the whole thing. Game Seven, Steve. No, I know. But everybody look back to the one time when the one thing would have happened, and everybody thinks that they know that they understand how the causal chain of events works and they can trace it back to me. It stops at me. It doesn't stop at game one or two or three or four or five or, or any, or, or it stops at game six. And you know where it stops in the eighth inning with Steve Bartman's hands. That's it. That's what they call B F B F. Did I say F? It sounded like B F B S. 
Oh, that's an S. Sorry. No, I said F, but I sometimes do that. So you sometimes mix up your Fs and your S's. I do. I do. Don't you? No, I, I know. I know the difference between the two letters, sir. Oh, I, but, I, well, you, let me ask you a question. If I, you, will, uh, I, I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you a scenario. Sure. You're hungry. Okay. You have. $6,000 in your pocket. In cash? In cash. All right. That's a, that's a heavy pocket. You're walking around in with Chicago. A giant, with a giant bulge in my pants. With okay. a bulge in your pants. You've got on your music. You're listening to the radio. You're walking past Wrigley Field in Chicago on October 14, 2003. And you think, I want to go inside that game. I want to get myself a nice hot bowl of popcorn, baseball popcorn, the only kind that's good, that's better than the movies, because you get a better show, a longer show. So what do you do? You buy the ticket that they have for sale, the one ticket that you brought $6,000 that you knew would come in handy for. You go to the game, you sit down, you eat the popcorn that you wanted so bad your whole life leading up to this moment. And then in the, in the, in the eighth inning, you're sitting there and everybody stands up excited because a foul ball has been hit to you. What do you do? Do you reach out your hand and try to catch or do you stay seated like a stupid idiot and let the ball bonk you in the head? What do you do? Well, I mean, I guess in this scenario, I'm someone who doesn't really like the Cubs that much and just wants a bag of popcorn. And I probably would just like, I don't know, go go get popcorn somewhere else and save my money for something like I pay off my credit card bill. I don't know. Well, this I is guess just weird, that, man. But I guess the, to the game. that's just the difference between you and me and the rest of everybody. Because I have asked people what they would do, and they all tell me that they would do exactly what I did. They would reach out and catch the ball because that's what you do at the game, at baseball game. You eat and you catch the ball if it comes to you. The logic is sound. I just feel like maybe you go into the game for popcorn is kind of disrespectful to the Cubs and well, their legacy and their history that you didn't really care who won. I have a question for the Cubs. What did the Cubs ever do for me? They give, you give you entertainment? Oh, by losing since the 40s? That doesn't well, sound fun. That's not entertainment unless it's some kind of opposite universe that I wasn't aware of where everybody gets entertained by the losing team. Yay, loser, Cubs. Huh. You know what I didn't get? I didn't get I didn't get any recognition for helping the Cubs win in 2016 because guess what? If you are going to tell me that I'm responsible for them losing in 2003, then you got to give me credit for them winning in 2016, okay? Steve, I don't know how that works because you weren't at any of the games. I know, but if I hadn't cut that ball, 
the thing, the universe would have gone a different way. And they might have caught fire. The whole team might have caught on fire. You don't know. I might have saved their lives. They might have been riding around on the bus in 2005, you name it, and they might have hit, hit a tree and caught fire. And But nobody wants to say, hey, if Steve Bartman hadn't caught that ball in 2003, none of this would have ever, none of this that didn't happen wouldn't have happened. For all they know, it's between me and God, I might have saved their lives a million times. But no, nobody wants to blame. They only say, thanks for blowing it in 2003. No thanks for, hey, since you helped us blow it in 2003, because of that, we went on to win in 2016. If they had won in 2003, they might never have gone on to win again. They might have lost in 2016. They might have caught fire in 2017. They might have all choked to death at the same time. I don't know. You tell me. Well, I mean, I, I suppose the thing that you're missing here in this uh, this theory of yours is that it was a completely different set of players on the 2016 team versus the 2003 team. And who catches fire or not is irrelevant. Let me ask you something. It's a different team. Yeah. But it's the Cubs. It's the same Cubs. Guess what? Different team from 1945 when they last had the National League. But guess what? Have you ever heard? Let me ask you something then, smart guy. If you want to go talk about philosophical, okay, I can do it. Have you, you, do you know what the ship of Theseus means? No, I'm a sports writer. Well, guess what? Okay, the ship of Theseus says, hey, we got a ship, but what if we replace every single piece of wood in the ship one by one? Is it still the same ship after you replaced every piece of wood? No, it's a different ship, Steve. I think it's the same ship. Steve, that's not possible. It's a physical that makes a thing a thing. It's okay. not it's not the idea of the ship. How it's about physical How about Okay, all right. How about this then? I have another Okay. Your cells in your stupid body not stupid. not you, I'm sorry. I mean uh, everybody's. Uh, your okay. yours cuz our bodies are so stupid when you think about it, but I'm looking at mine right now and I always think that, but uh, I got this bump on my chest, too. Anyway, sorry. Every seven years, your body's cells replicate, and therefore they're different cells. You're a different person than who you were seven years ago and seven wow. years before that. But I think you would say that you're the same person. It's the same cubbies. It's just different players. So... You could, I, you're even supporting my argument because if I, they might have all caught fire, they might have choked, they might have all fell down and hurt their leg, but they might have also gotten a different roster. It would have been a different roster. If they had won, they might have gotten bad draft picks, they might have gotten injured or caught fire. Earth to you, I helped. If I hurt them, I equally helped them in 2016.
Well, I think you've answered one of my questions, which is how you felt about them finally winning. So I'll move on to, um, you know, my my final uh, set of questions here. Okay. Um, I know you're being really cagey about about who you are as a person and your personal life, but I really I have to know how it is that you are independently wealthy, because I think that that is something that people are really going to be interested in um, if you speak out about that. My dad. Okay. My dad, Steve Bartman Sr., invented Wheat Thins. Wow. The Wheat Thins? A cracker. Yeah. He sold it. It's incredible. He sold it, but he made a lot of money. He sold them to Nabisco, and yeah, so I got... He gave me some money, and he gave my mom money, and he gave my grandma money, and he shared it with everybody, and that's just the way it goes. Was he concerned about you when this happened? I mean, your family must have been terrified for your life, knowing that there were people all over the Chicagoland area who wanted to see your blood, that wanted to take your life, that wanted to sacrifice you to uh, some sort of dark... Uh, creature or or demon who would uh, free the cubs of their curse. Look, yeah, uh, yeah, you know they were worried. My dad at one point was just thought, "You better sacrifice yourself to save the family because unless you give yourself up to the mob, they're just gonna keep coming and coming and coming after us." And you could save your mom. You could save your dad. You could save the dogs and the cats and grandma, but you got to give yourself up. They want you, not us. And think of think of your family. And but they did think it was stupid. They were they thought they they thought that that I did that I did the right thing, which I agree with. Like I've said, I think I did the right thing and they, but yeah, they were scared. They were really, really scared. We had a lot of ups and downs. We got in a lot of fights. My dad tried to take back some of his money because he was mad that I spent that much money on the ticket. He was very, very mad about that. But he was just glad I was okay and that the ball didn't bonk me in the head. Well, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, isn't that what this is all about? Being family? Safe. Well, yeah, that and family. You know. Being safe with your family? Yeah. Safer at home, Steve. Safer at home. If you had stayed home, your life wouldn't have been ruined. Yeah. I think that everyone, everyone needs to remember that as we go through this this very dark period in, in, in American history. Is be like Steve. Be the opposite of Steve Bartman and stay home. Well, if I had uh, one thing I want to say is if I was at a football game or, or and and they had their kicker got sick, the team's kicker got sick and they needed somebody to kick the ball between the uprights and they said there's that guy get him down here and I kicked the ball and I scored everybody would be happy with me. So what's that all about? Because Steve, your logic is sound. 
Thank I get you. it. Uh, you've convinced me I that did. you should probably I get a World like Series ring. I wanted one in 2016, and they gave it to me. Wouldn't you know? But it just doesn't mean anything if the public at large doesn't believe I deserve it because they all think I'm a stupid idiot and they think they, they, it doesn't matter to them. I'm just always going to be Steve Bartman, big, big idiot. And I just, you know what? I'm going to laugh all ha 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 all the way to the next game where I, like I said, I would do it again. And you know what? I hope that the Cubs get it all the way. I hope they get it all the way. And then I can be at the game where they go all the way. And I hope I catch another foul ball. And this time they win the game so I can say, now everybody owes me a handshake. Everybody has to line up in a big line outside of Wrigley Field. And they have to all shake my hand. And they have to say, I'm sorry, Steve. And then I will say, it's okay. Don't let it happen again. And then they would say, we like you. And I would say, thank you. I like you too. And that's all I want. That sounds beautiful, Steve. Thank you so much for joining us and hopefully changing some minds about what happened in 2003 and giving people your perspective at last, you know, 17 years later um, on what happened. This is great. And, and, and thank you again for joining us. Um, ladies and gentlemen, Steve, Steve Bartman. God, that's me. Thank you. All right, folks, that was amazing. Uh, I am flabbergasted that we were able to get Steve Bartman to come on this program. He was a fantastic conversationalist. It was illuminating. It was it was touching. It was heartwarming. It was tragic. It was a very sad conversation with a very deranged man. But one that I'm glad that I got to share with all of you. And we'll be back here next week with another remarkable guest in the world of sports. And we're going to learn something about that guest, about hopefully yourself. And most importantly, we'll learn something about me, your host, Dave Schilling. So please remember to rate us five stars on iTunes. Tell all of your friends. Hit the subscribe button if you have not already. And join us again next week. For Dave Schilling, I'm Dave Schilling. This has been Full Court Chat with Dave Schilling. Take care.